Coffee and Cream on Hale Varsity Radio with Andrew Rogers and Damon Benning. On a Sunday in the metropolitan area, we are coming to you from Newark, New Jersey for a Big East matinee as the Seton Hall Pirates welcome in the DePaul Blue Demons. Great to have you with us, everybody. I'm John Fancy. He's my partner, Vin Parisi, and welcome to The Rock. One-hand jam for Nelson. Hello, DePaul. Nelson, goodness gracious, hammer time for Deshaun Nelson. The Seton Hall Pirates have won eight of their last ten games, and they're getting on the radar in the NCAA tournament conversation. Prepare to hear more of that voice now. It's Coffee and Cream in the Morning on Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Currency. Damon Benning, Andrew Rogers, and let's welcome in our guest. He's a good friend. He is one Hilarious. of the brightest <laughs> college basketball minds out there. He's one of the funniest people to converse with. It's John. And John, did I hear Fanti? Is that really how you pronounce your last name, Fanti? Fanti. No, just just uh, just Fanta. Okay, I don't know if I heard maybe Fanta. That's pa- maybe that's a pack of me, I guess. Yeah. Well, I <laughs> I heard when when that call went down, it sounded like you said Fanti, not Fanta. And, and I, I looked at like, DB. I go, is it Fanti? Have we been saying it wrong? Sometimes you know that no, happens. It's, it's nope. It's Fanta. It's like the it's soda. Fanta. Good morning, guys. Good jo- morning, man. John, how are you? I, so did did you get your fill last night? I. The whole Kansas-Texas thing, how was that game not a microcosm of exactly who those two teams are and what they need to do better as Kansas survives to play for meaningful games late in March? Yeah, it really was a a microcosm. And I thought that Texas coming off of the game on Saturday at Kansas State, really tough to then come back on Big Monday and have to play at Allen Fieldhouse. I mean, that the schedule makers did them no favors. You go from the octagon to, to Fog Allen. But I, but I thought in this game, we saw what the key is for Kansas. The key for Kansas is complementary scoring in addition to Jalen Wilson. Jalen Wilson has a, a, a night where he didn't score much. I mean, he had two points. So to me, this was encouraging for Kansas because on Saturday at Iowa State, it was all Wilson, and he didn't get any help. Grady Dick is the most important player for Kansas, in my opinion. The freshman just opens up something for them offensively. He's a shot maker. He just makes things happen for them. Dewan Harris with 17 points in this game. When Harris scores in double figures, Kansas has won over 80% of the time. I mean, they, they they win when he is scoring the basketball well. And Kevin McCuller delivered. So for Kansas, their supporting cast has been up and down, and that's why I think, Damon, you make up a, a, a great point. For Texas, look, on a night where Marcus Carr goes for 29 points, you would have sat there and said, yeah, they're going to have a chance. They're going to have a real chance to win. And and they played they played hard. They played well. But they have typically been a very good defensive team. Last night we saw great offense beats great defense. And, mm. and Kansas got clicking. Kansas showed us why people think that they can be a Final Four team. 
it's been inconsistent. But then again, guys, who hasn't been inconsistent to a degree <laughs> in this sport across the country? You don't know what you're getting from night to night. Hey, that's a great point there, John. Stay right there because, uh, I, I mean, it is absolutely nuts knowing that Selection Sunday is, uh, what, a month away, a little over a month away. And you say exactly what you just said. You can't get a gauge on this field, and it couldn't be more wide open. Uh, say you were filling out your bracket today. Is there a team, above all others, that you would be comfortable penciling in as your NCAA champion? Yes. It's Alabama. <gasps> wow. wow. And why is that? Oh, oh, oh. Well, they're 10-0 in the SEC, and they've won nine of the 10 SEC games by double figures. I think they just had a clunker at Oklahoma. I'm going to chalk it up to it just wasn't their day. But, man, Brandon Miller is going to hear his name very, very early in Brooklyn in June at the NBA draft. But yet he's embracing this ride right now. Nate Oates has a team that with Noah Clowney, uh, what he's been able to add to the fold, and then their backcourt. I mean, they, they've they got uh, a transfer in Mark Sears who's been a stabilizer. They've got the explosive presence of Javon Quinterly. He makes things happen once upon a time of Villanova Wildcat. Oh, he all everything, right, until he took to IG early <laughs> and his coach's tenure at Nova. Jay Wright was having none of it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, IG and Villanova basketball don't go together. Okay, they they do not they do not go together. That that'd be like putting me uh, trying to that'd be like putting me at, at the Victoria's Secret runway. Hey, I don't know. D don't sell yourself short now, John. We saw what, what Tom doing? Brady did on don't Twitter yesterday. My, don't sell myself short, Andrew. Are you trying to go out of business? <laughs> The thing is, they've got a good team. They've got a really good team. They're they're solid defensively, and they just come at you. I mean, they come at you in waves. Their perimeter shot making is impressive. I, I'm I just look at the way the SEC is a really good league. I mean, Tennessee is is a great team. Um, to me, Auburn's still a a really good team that actually gets Alabama this week. Kentucky's been underwhelming, but they still have the the national player of the year from last year. And and to me, I just I just look at the way that Auburn has dominated, not not led the conference. They've totally dominated a conference that's got some quality teams. Missouri's had a really nice year. Arkansas still a force. Texas A and M has won eight of ten in the SEC. Interesting bubble team, actually. So. I, I'm I'm super impressed, super impressed with Alabama, and they're they're a team that I would be comfortable, I'd be comfortable taking to win it all because I've just watched them be a buzzsaw, save a game at Oklahoma. Interesting, you mentioned Kentucky because with Case and Wallace now handling the ball a little bit more, maybe they solve some of their mm -hmm. solve some of their issues at the point guard spot or as a primary ball handler spot. But so let me take Kentucky out of it. Of teams that we think have a lot of components to go far, Kansas, Tennessee, Gonzaga, UConn. I'll give you those four teams, Kansas, Tennessee, Gonzaga, UConn. 
which of those teams, if you give them consistency at the point and they get good play, has the chance to go the furthest? Because I think all four of those teams have questions in the backcourt at the point guard spot. Yeah, they do. And and Gonzaga has tons of questions there. And that's, that's what led them to losing to St. Mary's on Saturday. And how about this? St. Mary's that's 12 in a row. has a two-game two lead in the West Coast Conference. Yeah. Gonzaga has not lost the, the WCC, I, I read, since 2012. They just, they've been dominant in it. For me, the team that, that you bring up, when you bring up those four teams, well, Tristan Newton's actually played well for UConn. They've got other issues right now with Andre Jackson just being off from the floor, with Donovan Klingon sort of having that freshman drop-off that you sometimes see, and they come and go. I think the team is Tennessee. Mm. I really do. Tennessee is – they play an ugly style. I mean, <laughs> that Saturday game against Auburn, Auburn. they oh. went 46-43. Hey, it won the game. I thought that was a foul at the end that they missed. But, fellas, like, for a team that's that good defensively, for a team that's got Olivier Camwa and Josiah Jordan-James, and both of them just make things happen, they're, they're both great on the glass. They both are physical. Tennessee is physical as hell. I mean, they, they really get up in you in guard. But Zakai Ziegler goes 0 for 10 in this game. Santiago Vescovi was, was really a non-factor. That guard duo has too many ups and downs on the offensive end of the floor for you to trust them to win six games. And that's the thing this year. There's so much inconsistency. You sit there saying, who is going to win six consecutive games? Tennessee, to me, offensively, they're too up and down. But if you told me that they would have guard play throughout the NCAA tournament, I'd feel a heck of a lot more comfortable with picking them. There's no question about it. Hey, John, let's do something fun here because we had a listener question come through on Twitter, and I purposely saved it for you because I thought we could have a good conversation. This isn't just a question for you. I want DB to chime in, and I want to chime in myself. But here's the question. With this crazy college basketball season and what seems to be the most wide-open field, today, who are you placing all your money on to win it all? And then who is your dark horse, a five or higher seed, or technically wouldn't lower seed, yeah. um, to possibly win it all? Hmm. I'll start with you, John. Question. Um, let, let's see here because I'm going to take a look. I'm pulling up my, my bracket projection here, the, the composite <laughs> of everything. So I'm going to start. I'm going to start by answering who's the five or the lower. Got it. Let's you hear that. It. Who's the five? Who's the five or the lower? And I'm scanning here, looking across the board at a five or lower who could do it. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I I think that there's something to be said, and I know it's a team from the Big Ten, but I would not be surprised if Illinois got scalding hot marks. Man, you know, I, I, I really would. Well, Damon, you seem to agree. Yeah, yeah. I do. We, Mine's another Big Ten. We team. just talked yesterday with one of our beat writers locally, and he actually thinks Illinois is the second best team in the Big Ten when all well, things when when, the, when all things are clicking. Mm -hmm. So that they that was fresh on my mind because they've got a bucket getter in Shannon. I like Dane Danger. 
Meyer can shoot it well enough. Like they have a lot of pieces, but they have Brad Underwood. Mm-hmm. So that so that gave me a little pause. Yeah, exactly. That gives you a little pause. But again, this might be the year where it, it comes to fruition, just because it's so. There's just such an openness to it. So I wouldn't. I gotta tell you, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a run um, because it, they've got Terrence Shannon. Who who's an engineer? Matthew Meyer is just a winning player. Yep. You know he's he's just if if you were going to pick one of the five winningest players in college basketball right now, that guy just makes winning plays. When Coleman Hawkins is giving them something productive offensively, they do defend. Like Illinois has got a good defense. So for me, they're a team that could they catch lightning in a bottle and go on a run right now? According to projections, they're around a five. That's a healthy five. Um, they they really are. I got to tell you. Um, I know that this is a wild take, but I, I would not be surprised if we see a double-digit seed in the Final Four this year. Um, I, I really wouldn't. Who do you and, like? Who do you like? Well, um, going totally off the map, I think I think that they're going to be able to win a tournament game. I, I love Oral Roberts. So do I. So uh, do I, I out he, of the summit. He was he was wild. I was he was he had he's we've got the place bugged. So John. do I. John, they have one of the best assist to turnover ratios. They have such yeah. a good defense. And Max A. Smith is one of the best players in college basketball. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he is. And and that experience matters. You know, it, it in recent Loyola Chicago runs when they found ways to win in the NCAA tournament. I, I think that that translates. And right now, Oral Roberts is the projected twelve. Like they are not a thirteen or fourteen or fifteen coming out of nowhere. How many times do we see the twelve over the five? I, I love that potential. And and you just said it with Aismiths. You got to have a bucket. He is that. And they take care of the basketball. That leads you to success, typically, that time of year. So I'm, I'm high on Oral Roberts. You asked me to, to, if I was going to take a team to win it all, to pour it all on. Mm. I, I'm going to go with Houston because I think there's Good something metrics. to be said about the storybook. Kelvin Sampson's gotten them there. He got them there two years ago. Could you imagine Houston making it to the Final Four in their home city? Could you imagine that crowd at NRG Stadium? I mean, you'd have people coming out of the woodwork left and right. Houston's not typically the basketball city or, or whatnot. It wouldn't matter. It's the, it's the Final Four, gentlemen. So I, I think that's a team. I, I, said, I said Alabama makes me comfortable, but at the window, man, you'd be mistaken to not sprinkle some on Houston just because their toughness level, Marcus Sasser, Jamal Shedd, and guys, Jarris Walker is big. Time. That kid is special, special. If he was playing at a Duke or Kentucky, we'd be talking about him every single day right now. That's how good he is. I'm going to take UCLA begrudgingly. See, I like UCLA Just because as well. I like the experience in the backcourt and I like Jaime Jaquez. Their inconsistency bugs me a smidge, but they still only have the four losses, but they're all against quad one teams. So that gives me a little pause. Let me ask I you like about – I like that pick. The other one is Iowa State. Uh, people mm-hmm. are sleeping on them because of their name, but they shouldn't be. Let me ask you about – because I wanted to say Gonzaga. But then I listen, and you hit the nail on the head because I don't like this about them. I don't love their toughness. I could see Shed just wearing Drew Timmy out because he'll touch and clutch and 
try to bully Strother guys like that. What did I miss, or what did we miss on no on Hickman's emergence coming out of high school versus kind of what he's been in Spokane? I don't know if we missed anything as much as he just hasn't had it all come together the way that people thought he would. I think Mark Few is the magician. He gets guys in the lab. He makes them better players. And I just think this particular test case, it came back negative. Um, <laughs> it, it just just hasn't worked. You know, for them, and, and, and I would say, Damon, you, you almost saw that, that they lacked, I don't want to say confidence, but basically confidence, when they brought in Malachi Smith. Mm. You know, the writing's on the wall sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Of, oh, you're bringing in Malachi Smith? Well, why are you bringing in Malachi Smith? I mean, good player and all. He's going to help you, but who's going to be the point guard? Yeah. That, to me, created more questions. The other thing is you can't fully expect to go from Jalen Jalen Suggs, Jalen Suggs to Andrew Nemhard to another elite-level NBA guard. And that's just it. They haven't had that. Drew Timmy needs that around him. If Julian Strother's not scoring on the wing, they just don't have enough. Yeah, it bogs this year. down. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm with you. What here's the thing. As much as they can light it up offensively, remember they beat Alabama. They mm-hmm. scored a hundred on them. They scored a hundred on them, but they've been soft this year. You know, and that's just it. When you could score the ball to a degree, to a great degree. And this is the pro- this is actually a thing that I worry about with like Xavier a little bit. Uh, a little bit. Uh, because I think Sean Miller's intense, but at some point you've got to dig in and get physical with the team and say, we're, we're not going to be denied. And to me, Gonzaga's issue this year is like on Saturday night, the game was hanging in the balance. Aiden Mahaney took it from him. Yeah. Randy, Randy Bennett just took that game. That's very, that's not typical of Gonzaga. So, no, I, I don't think so. I'm, I'm out on them. I, I don't, I'm not buying their stock come March. There is some stock that I'm buying, and it comes in the Big East. Now, another team that I like to win it all, DB will like this pick, is Indiana. I think they're really set up well. Especially if Hood Shafino continues Um, to play well. Um, But one of my so-called five or lower teams has to be Creighton, right? Like that's where Although they are. I think they're going to get to a five. They, they'll, and, but still, five still counts yeah, for that threshold. I think threshold. they'll get to a five. But, but Creighton would be my team. And, John, you were the one that said it two weeks ago that Creighton was on a surge and not a lot of people saw it, but you are somebody that covers the Big East like it's the back of your hand. You have five teams now in the top 25 out of the Big East. Marquette makes it a top 10, uh, and they were preseason ranked ninth to open the year to come out of the Big East. With everything that you're seeing inside of this conference, do you think that they have stepped up to being the second best college basketball conference, especially this year? Well, I think that the top of the Big Ten – Uh, excuse me, the top of the Big East is second best when you look at all conferences right now. No no question about it. Where the Big East this year is a little bit off is that the bottom is pretty clear. I mean, and I would say that sometimes when you have a bottom, it's a good thing for your league because it means that the top can accumulate victories and keep building up real estate and building it up and building it up and getting ranked not taking anything away from those teams. 
I, I think when you look at conferences, you know, the the depth of the Big Ten, the fact that they could get eight or nine teams in the NCAA tournament is is my reservation on that, Andrew, because the Big East is is staring at five, maybe six. Seton Hall is right on the bubble. They have a big opportunity tomorrow night against Creighton. But, yeah, there's an argument. I think that the Big East is a top three league right now because, yeah, you've got the second most teams in the top 25. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. A rant on the Big East for a moment. Back in December, people were saying Big East, down year, huge step back, disappointing, this, that. Every, if this is disappointing and they've mm-hmm. got five teams in, in the top 25, second most in America, uh, that's not that's not bad. I mean, that that's pretty, pretty special. And I think the biggest thing with the Big East is not that they've got the – like they've got the five ranked teams. It's the fact that they've got five ranked teams and none of them are named Villanova, St. John's, or Georgetown. The traditional brands of this conference are actually bringing the conference down currently. That can't continue. That can't continue. Villanova gets a pass. Georgetown and St. John's do not. Changes changes need to be made because the conference can't hit its full ceiling without those schools doing their part. But back to this league. I love Marquette. They've won 13 of their last 15 games. They've won 10 of their last 11. The only loss is to Xavier. Tyler Kolick's got 189 assists in 24 basketball games. That's absolutely absurd. If Marquette beats UConn tonight, bold prediction, if Marquette beats Connecticut tonight in Hartford, Marquette is going to win the Big East regular season championship. I think that this is a massive game. If they lose the game, it'll be a real race. If they win this game in Hartford tonight, I think they're going to find a way to the regular season crown. Xavier's dealing with the Zach Fremantle injury. They've dealt with it well. UConn, they need to win tonight. They need to reassert themselves. As much as Marquette's in that pursuit for the title, UConn's got to show everybody that they're still legit. Well, they need Adama Snogo to play a big boy game, and they got to get physical with Marquette. Creighton is the team that's playing the best basketball in the conference currently. They've won six in a row. They've got balance. That starting five I'd put up with anybody. And guys, Ed Cooley's got a team that's fit to win in March because Bryce mm-hmm. Hopkins is a man. Noah Locke and Devin Carter have gotten better. And if Jared Bynum hits his stride, watch out. So this league's loaded at the top, more loaded than it's been, more loaded than it's been uh, in in recent years, like at the top top. So I, I'm impressed with this league. And more than anything, I'm impressed with the fact that it's overcome a lot of the early takes and narratives. Sometimes when the ACC gets stuck in a hole, guys, they never dig out of it. They really don't. The Big East did, and uh, they did it in a big way. And they've put themselves in a position to say, yes, the conference is having a quality year. The bottom is clear. The bottom's clear. There's going to be some programs that have to make some changes. But, man, for a top five in this league, I'd put that top five up against anybody. Yeah, speaking of change, I could see Ed Cooley changing addresses and going to Georgetown. Yeah, we talked about I'm, that I'm, I'm on week. that, John Fanta. I am on Ed Cooley to Georgetown. But let me ask you this because you mentioned his name and Tyler Kolick, and I think he's fantastic. And there's another guy, when you reference Xavier, that didn't come up by name that Creighton found a way to neutralize, and I absolutely think it was the difference in the game because he only had one basket. But Sule Boom has a chance to be all-conference in three different conferences in varying degrees. He was, at, he was all-conference at San Francisco. He did it at UTEP in Conference USA. He could do it again in the Big East. Kolick or Boom? Who are you taking, John Fanta? Yeah, t- today I'm giving the lean to Kolick. Mm. Takes I'm good care of the ball, doesn't he? I'm giving the lean to Kolick. He's just played so absurdly well 
over the last six, seven games. I mean, he's averaging close to 20 points over the last three weeks of basketball. We know what he's doing in the assist column. I mean, to total 189 assists to just over 50 turnovers, that's absurd. Those are absurd numbers. And, of course, he's got to set up Cam Jones and Omax Prosper and Oso Iguodaro, David Joplin. But for me, uh, he sets them up for success. You're not getting that many assists unless you're making the right play. Mm. And he makes the right play. In ball screen situations, he's close to impossible to guard right now. They are that dangerous. I mean, they. somebody asked me who out of this league could make it to the Final Four, and I said to them the other day, I think it's Marquette, and they said, are you crazy? <laughs> I said, no. I said, no, I'm not crazy because that team – I mean, I am crazy, but that team's a top-five <laughs> offense in college basketball. The Golden Eagles are going to have pressure on them in March. Let's face it. They haven't won an NCAA tournament game in a decade. They're too talented for that streak to continue. John, we could talk to you for hours. We appreciate your time this morning, man, and have a great rest of your day. Thank you, guys. Anytime. Thanks, John. That's John Fanta, Fox College Hoops broadcaster and reporter. We are talking to Brendan Quinn from The Athletic next.